Well, this morning I'm excited because we are continuing in our Godspeed series. We've been talking for the last few weeks about ways that we can partner with the Holy Spirit in mission in this world. And we've talked a lot about the moments in life when the Spirit gives us a prompting. A moment when he comes into our life and says, hey, try this, do this, talk to this person, go this direction, bring food to these folks, whatever it is. And there's those moments in life when he nudges us in a direction. This morning, we turn the corner in our series and start talking about a different angle. What do we do when the Spirit's not nudging us to do something in a moment, but when the Spirit is trying to change the whole trajectory of our lives? We're going to find that this morning in the book of Acts, chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up there. After this, Luke says, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul, and became abusive. He shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Let me pray for us as we dive into God's word this morning. Lord, we thank you that church is a family, a place where we come and see people we know and get to connect and build relationships and and worship one God together. And we pray this morning that you, especially those of us who are new, would be reminded that we gather on Sundays as an expression, like family dinner, to come and uh, see each other and meet each other and open your word together. And we pray that you would be with us as we worship you this morning, that you would be with us as we continue this morning to sing praises to your name. That you'd be with us as we surrender resources to you in our finances and giving. That you'd be with us as we open your word, that we would sense your presence as we talk about the things of life. Lord, we know that in a room like this, so many of us have a lot of things going on that we, like we heard a few weeks back, just need to surrender to you. We pray this morning you would equip us to what it means to surrender our whole lives, our plans, our trajectory, our vision, our longings to you. We pray that you would help us to walk with your spirit, not just in the moment to moment, but in the big decisions of life as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you ever daydream about quitting your job? Let's close in prayer. The first service, when I brought that up, everyone started shouting out, Indeed.com. And I had to like Google that. I guess that's what everyone's doing at work is just scrolling through Indeed.com and finding all the postings in your area. And when I say do you daydream about quitting your job, I don't mean do you ever think about quitting your job. I mean do you literally sit at work and daydream about what it's going to be like when you quit your job? Have you ever sat in a meeting and you've been so bored or infuriated that you just imagine yourself kind of like packing up quietly and walking out the door? And to see, like, what anyone's going to do? Like, are they going to follow you? Do they think you have some meeting? And if you never come back, how long will they keep paying you before they realize that you're God? Have you ever driven home from a conversation with your boss and been daydreaming about 
how you're going to say it when you finally quit or sit at work and scroll through those websites and just start sending out resumes like you're fishing or something, looking to get a bite somewhere. Of course you don't. And I don't either. Just kidding. I don't. I don't. I've got a great job, but you might. I think for us, there's something about life that there's always this longing in us that there's got to be something more than what I'm doing right now. Have you ever had that feeling like, God, is this why you put me on this planet? You know, maybe you're called to stay home with your kids in this season, and you're doing that, and you're thinking, this is not what I thought it was going to be, right? I did not think I'd be a professional diaper changer in my career. I didn't think that's why I went to law school, right? Maybe you're sitting at work, and you're thinking, is this it? Like, I've arrived. This, this is what I spent my whole life trying to do, and now I'm here, and this, this, is, this is it? And there's this feeling in us that God made us for more than this. There's this longing in us that there are dreams that are yet unfulfilled. Sometimes there's resolve in that moment that I'm going to find something else. Sometimes there's despair in that moment because every job you picture yourself taking sounds as miserable as this one. And you've got to rent a place in the Bay Area, so you need to make some money. And you can't just go be like a person like Jesus walking around doing good and doing miracles, right? One of the things that I get encouraged by the scriptures on is that they're very real. And Acts 18 for me was eye-opening. I've never noticed this before. I feel like Acts 18 is an example of the Apostle Paul getting mad and quitting his job. Did you notice that in verse 6? That Paul's in the synagogue, he's reasoning with the Jews, and as he's doing it, they're getting mad at him, and they're oppressing him, and they're abusing him, and he finally just snaps. And here's what he says. It says, when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. You know, shaking out your clothes in the Bible was kind of like shake the dust off your sandals. Like, I don't want anything to do with you people anymore. Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. Right? Like, I'm out of here, is what Paul is saying. He quits his job. He drops the microphone. He walks out the door, and he's gone. You know, with Paul, and maybe with you, you can't just quit being a missionary like that, right? You really can't just quit your job. It's mostly just in your daydreams. And for Paul, it was kind of the same thing. He, he quits, he gets mad, he leaves, and he goes next door. And he goes next door, and he keeps doing what he's doing, and people follow him next door, and he has good ministry, and he keeps plugging away. And so this isn't Paul quitting ministry. This isn't Paul getting mad and walking away from the Lord What this is, what we see in this passage, is a glimpse of what's happening in Paul's heart. That there's something in there that longs to do more than he's doing now. Which is crazy when you think about who's the one doing it, right? This is the most famous Christian besides Jesus that we've ever heard of, right? And yet Paul has this longing that God has called him not just to pound away in the synagogues, arguing with Jewish people. God's called him to go to Rome. God's called him to preach to the Gentiles. You catch a glimpse of that in the first verses of this chapter when, it's, when Priscilla and Aquila are coming from Rome because all the Jews have been kicked out of this city and it's a totally pagan place. And this is the moment in Acts when Paul's heart and his life tweak a little bit. And it comes out of his mouth what's been in his soul for a long time that he feels like the calling on his life is not just to pound it out in the synagogues, He feels like God has called him to do something else, something greater, something bigger in a darker world. God has called him to bring the gospel to the city of Rome. 
This morning, I'm not going to give you a primer on how to quit your job well or how to get severance or whatever it is. This morning, I want to wrestle with one question together, and that is this. What should we do with the unfulfilled longings God has put in our hearts? What should we do, not with our jobs, but what should we do with the longings in our heart that make us daydream about quitting our job? What should we do with those longings? How can we steward them and treat them as a prompting from the Spirit where he might be tweaking our lives and bringing us to something new? I've been working here at the church for almost 20 years now, and 18 years ago, I went on my first retreat with our pastors and our elders and some lay elders that we had at the time, and for me, it was like, I felt like I was going to an all-star game, right? I'm a 19-year-old, I'm an intern in the junior high ministry, and Pastor Larry's there, right? And all these other big-name people on the stage are there. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, this is going to be amazing, right? We're, we're going to bond, we're going we're to envision stuff together. And, and someone had brought in this consultant from Disney to come and teach us how to dream big. And his name was McNair. And McNair gets up on the platform, and he says, guys, I want to tell you, I, I learned how to dream big a long time ago. He said, I'm the one who envisioned California Adventure. And then he starts telling us about how it was a huge failure and no one wants to go to it. And I'm thinking, why are we listening to this guy again, right? And he kind of starts to scramble. He says, okay, 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 okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get you guys to dream big today. And he looks in the back of the room at this guy named Dan. He says, Dan. And it wasn't me, it was another Dan. I'm Danny. He says, Dan, if you can quit your job today and do anything, what would you do? Dan's like looking around like, please don't make me talk in front of these people. I like, well, seriously, what would you do? Dan's like, well, I, I guess I would move to Aspen and go skiing every day. And McNair goes, you should do it. Dan's like, what? He's like, you should do it. Fulfill your dreams, man. That's your dream. Dan's like, well, I got a wife. I got three kids at home. What? What? So you've got to follow your dreams, Dan. And they started going back and forth, and Dan's trying to tell him how untenable it is for him to quit his job and leave his family and go skiing in Aspen. And McNair's just hounding on the thing, like, you've got to learn how to lean into your dreams, right? And he's grasping at straws. And in that moment, that's when I realized that the bonding of their treat is going to be about all of us making fun of this guy, McNair, together. <laughs> and yet I started feeling bad for this guy because what he was trying to do is in the same way a lot of times what Jesus did when Jesus met people and encountered them in his ministry where he would go to them even when they were blind and we all knew they wanted to see, even when they were lame and we all knew they wanted, that he, they wanted to walk, he would go to a person and say, what do you want? Or what is the deepest longing of your heart? What is deep inside of you? What is the dream that you want to come out? And I think the problem with McNair and Dan was that we were at a really surface level thing. I don't think Dan's dream, his longing, was to ski all day. I think as believers, generally our dreams are a little deeper. And generally we want to make impact on this world. Generally, we want God to use us in mighty ways. Generally, we want to see our kids and grandkids come up to know Jesus. Generally, we want to have a great family or a great impact or be in a vocation that changes the world and has ethics or something, right? Generally, it's not just going to the beach and sleeping. That's not our dream. We have these longings in our heart that are deeper, that are bigger. And then on those days that you're daydreaming about quitting, and you're thinking, is this what I was made for? Something in, somewhere in your heart is this longing that God has equipped you, empowered you to do something else besides this. I think that's what McNair Wilson was trying to get to and couldn't get to it. And I think this is what we catch a glimpse of when we 
read the Apostle Paul with this glimpse of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. I think if you want to wrestle through this question in your own life this week, the the two questions I have for you are, one, what are you longing for? And two, where did this longing come from? Right, if you're longing to go to Aspen and ski all day, that's cool. Did that longing really come from God, or did that come from watching the X Games or something? Where did that longing come from? (laughs) When we look at the Apostle Paul's life, the longing that he has to take the gospel to the ends of the earth came from God himself and came from the scriptures. So that's a good place for a longing to come from. When Paul first met Jesus, he was a a Christian hater. He was on his way to murder Christians, and Jesus arrested him on the side of the road, made him blind, and said, hold on, I'm changing your life. And Jesus went to this man called Ananias and said, Ananias, I want you to go, and I want you to launch Paul into his ministry to tell people about Jesus. And Ananias said, no, 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 Paul kills people like me. And Jesus says back to Ananias, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Apparently, Paul caught word of what Jesus told Ananias, and he knew that there was this calling on his life to preach the gospel to Gentiles and rulers in the pagan world. He knew that so deeply that by the time we got to Acts chapter 13 and Paul is looking at launching a new missionary journey, having a similar experience with the Jews that he did here in Corinth, this is what Paul and Barnabas say. They say, this is what the Lord has commanded us. I've made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts starts with this proclamation from Jesus that the disciples would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Paul knew that his part of that whole story was to run with the gospel to the farthest point in civilization, to the Roman Empire, to to Rome in the midst of Italy. He knew that deep in his heart because God had told him. God gave him the longing in his heart. If you're wrestling with what to do with your life, what are you longing for? Where did it come from? Have you seen God use this in your life along the way? Like I said before, Paul had had these experiences over and over again, where he'd go to the Jews, they'd reject him, he'd go to the Gentiles. Where he'd go to the Jews, they'd reject him, and he'd go to the Gentiles. So much so that in Acts 13, when he's talking about going to the ends of the earth, he says to, to the Jews, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, We now turn to the Gentiles. This was his pattern that God seemed to be always bouncing him off the Jewish people and sending him to the Gentiles. And I feel like Paul's prayer was, God, can you just cut out the middleman? You put me in these amazing relationships with Gentile people who are far from Jesus, who've never heard about this religion before. Why do I keep having to go through these Jews who hate me and want to kill me to get launched into Gentile ministry? God, what are you doing here? What's the longing? Where is it from? Has God placed it in your heart? I think the most important question to ask ourselves in those seasons of what should I do with my life? Should I quit my job? Is is this the time to go after the dream that God has placed in your heart? I think one of the things that we see as we watch Paul's trajectory in the scriptures is that there are several times he wants to go to the Gentiles, but the world is not ready yet for him to go there. Right? Look through the book of Acts this week through this lens. There are so many times where we start hearing about the world's readiness for Gentile inclusion in the community of faith. Right? Peter is on the road, and he gets called to go to Cornelius' house. And at Cornelius' house, he hear, hears that God wants them to accept Gentile people in general. 
Peter sees Gentile people come to Christ for the first time. And in the midst of seeing that, Peter hears from the Lord that he should include them in the community. The Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit. They see that unprecedented things are happening outside of the Jewish faith. And so that in Acts chapter 15, they pull a council together and they talk about how do we make it easier for the Gentiles to come to God? All of these things are working behind the scenes to make the world ready for Gentile missions while Paul is feeling the stirring in his life to go and do it. It's almost like Jesus is preparing the world for Paul's ministry, and Jesus is preparing Paul for Paul's ministry, and Jesus is telling Paul, I know you want to be over here, but it's not time yet. Keep waiting. Keep doing your thing. Keep your head down. I think a hard question for us to wrestle with is what Jesus brought to Paul when he's sitting next door to the synagogue sulking because he tried to quit his job and couldn't. It says in Acts 18, 9 through 10, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. I am with you. No one's going to attack you and harm you. I have many people in the city. Jesus is saying, Paul, not yet. It's not your time yet. Don't quit your job yet. Don't change your focus yet. Don't change your mission yet. The question for us in this, and maybe the question for you this week as you go back to work tomorrow, is can you keep plugging away at the work God has for you, trusting he knows what he's doing, trusting that he knows that you're so sick of being in this job, trusting that he knows that you're hoping this season isn't too long, trusting he knows how you feel, trusting he hears your prayers. Can you keep your head down and trust him that he's with you, even in this season as well? And this week I had an opportunity to sit down with AJ, who's part of our church here, and, and interview him for our podcast. And so if, if you haven't been following along with our podcast on the Three Crosses app, you should. If you don't know what a podcast is, that's okay. You just open the app and there's a word that says podcast. Click it and you'll see some things to listen to. You can listen to them. If you know what iTunes is, you can go find Three Crosses podcast on there too. And AJ's story is on the podcast right now, and I highly recommend you to listen to it. AJ was a young man who had a dream of playing Major League Baseball, much like myself. But the only difference was, I'm not very good at baseball, and A.J. found himself in high school with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and with scouts from every major league team showing up at Redwood Christian trying to give him literally millions of dollars to leave high school and come play in the major leagues. And so A.J. starts realizing, unlike me, okay, I have a gift. I should go after this. This dream that I have could be real. And he starts running after this dream to play pro ball, finally gets drafted, finally starts running after it, and then, boom, he gets injured rehabs, and then he gets injured, and he rehabs, and his injuries start getting worse and worse, and his spirit starts getting darker and darker, and he's thinking, God, what are you doing? God, I feel like you've called me, you've given me this amazing vision for my life, and now I feel like I'm hitting all these roadblocks. What am I supposed to do in that in this season when it's not coming together? Do I keep pushing through? Do I change? Do I quit? And I said, AJ, you got to tell us, how did it feel to wrestle with God in that moment? AJ said, oh, you know what? I went down to Arizona, and I went to rehab another time, and God met me in that place. And this is AJ's perspective of wrestling with God in that dark moment in his life. Arizona in the summer, it's not very, uh, not very cold, let's say. <laughs> it's very hot. Um, hot like 120 and, hot yeah like so hot. so I, I always laugh when like 
there's like in the Bible, it just says you're going to like the desert to like iron things out. I went to a literal desert, 125, I think. Wow. It was the worst experience of my life. And here I am injured. I, I know my body is just not cooperating with me. Uh, I'm suffering of heat exhaust, exhaustion every day. And I'm like, is this really what I want to do? Is this really what I want to do? And I started just praying. I mean, just God, is this is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And was it a was it a prayer for something new to do, or was it just a prayer of clarity? Like, tell me if you want me to keep my head down. What kind of prayer was it? Yeah, it was kind of a prayer of just desperation. I would say. I mean, I've worked so hard my whole life to get to this moment, and here I am not experiencing the fulfillment that I thought and I'm suffering from injuries and I'm here stuck in this desert and it's you laugh but it's it's so hot there like it's miserable (laughs) like I'd be happy if I never had to go back there but um what is going on like that was sort of my prayer like what is happening what is going on The quote that AJ said that kept sticking in my brain as he was talking was the one I want to put on the screen. He said, I've worked so hard my whole life to get to this moment, and here I am not experiencing the fulfillment I thought I would experience. I think his moment, even though most of us probably never played in the pro leagues in anything, is a sentiment that a lot of us have felt at work, at home, in our marriages, with our kids. I I spent my whole life trying to get to this moment, and here I am, not experiencing the fulfillment I thought. And Jesus tells Paul, keep your head down. Keep plugging away. Keep working. Trust me. And he does. I love the humility of Paul as we watch his life through this lens over the next several chapters. He spends a year and a half in Corinth, just plugging away, reaching people, doing great work there. He decides to travel on a missionary journey after that. He goes up into modern-day Turkey, the Asia Minor region, and visits all the different churches that he had planted along the way and strengthens the brothers and sisters there, bounces from place to place. He circles back into Greece. He finds his way in Ephesus, and he spends two years building up the church, working with Jews and Gentiles and changing the culture, and he just keeps pouring it out as if he took to heart what Jesus called him to do. Just keep your head down. Keep following me. Keep trusting me. I know what I'm doing. And so much so that as I read through that, I thought, I wonder if Paul forgot about this vision God had given him to go to Rome. I wonder if it ever slipped his mind. He said, you know what, I guess that's not in the cards for me, but then when we get into Acts chapter 19, we see that Rome is still in the back of his mind. It says, after all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Acacia. After I've been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. And it opens my eyes to the fact that he spent four and a half, five years plugging away, doing great ministry all the while having this longing of going to Rome, still in his heart, just realizing God had said, not yet, not yet, not yet. And finally the door opens. Finally he sees a window of opportunity. Finally he feels like God's saying, okay, now it's your time. Finish this ministry here in Macedonia and Acacia and Greece. Go over to Jerusalem, wrap things up, and then boom, it's time. Take that vision seriously and run 
to Rome. And so Paul starts going. And as Paul starts going, he starts realizing that getting to Rome is going to be easier said than done. That by this time, he's built so much amazing ministry with Gentiles that the Jewish people hate him. They want him dead. There's a community of men in Jerusalem who are not eating. They're on a hunger strike saying, we will not let food touch our lips till Paul is dead. And so he knows that going into Jerusalem will be a place that there's a great chance he will never escape from. He goes to the the elders of the church of Ephesus and he says, okay, the Holy Spirit compels me to go to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. All I know is the Spirit tells me that in every city, trials and hardship are facing me. He gets on a boat, goes across the Mediterranean Sea, lands on land, and this prophet Agabus comes out, grabs Paul's belt, ties his own hands and feet with it, and says, Paul, look at me. The Holy Spirit says that when you go to Jerusalem, you will be bound like this and handed over to the Gentiles. And everyone starts crying and weeping, saying, no, Paul, don't go, right? And he's telling the people in Ephesus, you may never see me again. I might die. And he's gotten to a point in his life that his dream is so close. But at the same time, it seems like it's never going to come together. He's just a step away from going to Rome. He's just a step away from his dream job. But everything's closing in, and all signs are pointing to the fact that he's going to die before he gets there. Now, if I was Paul in that moment, I'd skip Jerusalem (laughs) and go straight to Rome. But I think the most beautiful thing that we see about the Apostle Paul is that his life was not driven by getting to his goal. His life was driven by following the Spirit to whatever goal the Spirit had for him. And when that prophet Agabus comes out and the people start crying, Paul says, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm not only ready to be bound, but to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he's leaving Ephesus and talking to the elders, he says to them, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, for Paul, the mission was not get to Rome. The mission was not fulfill your dreams. The mission was not live your best life now. It wasn't fulfill your future, your destiny. Paul's vision was to complete the task that Jesus had given him. And Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, and if you don't die there, you can go to Rome. And he surrendered to that. As I read this, I can't help but wonder the question for all of us, Can you continue to trust Jesus when it seems that the longings of your heart will never be fulfilled? In those moments when it it feels like that dream job's never going to come together. In those moments where it feels like you could do the unethical thing and run after your dreams or stick with the ethical thing and maybe never see your dreams materialize. Can you continue to trust Jesus even in those moments? You know, it's easy to say yes to that at church. I get that. It's harder to say yes to that tomorrow when you're envisioning leaving, when you want to quit, when you want to take that other thing. I think if you're trying to recognize if you really feel like this or not, here's an exercise you can do. Write this down on a piece of paper. Write down, I can die never doing blank because I trust Jesus' plan for my life is better than my own. I can die never taking that job. 
I can die never having children. I could die never getting married. I can die never getting out of this house. I can die never being reconciled with my family. I can die never going on that mission trip. I can die never seeing this dream come alive. I can die never getting this business off the ground because I know that Jesus' plan for my future is better than my own. That, that's a prayer that's easier done than said, probably. Because getting those words out of your mouth, you know it feels like a death sentence. But for Paul, this is the perspective that brings him life. He goes to Jerusalem, and sure enough, he gets captured immediately. The mob comes. They're screaming at him. They tie him up. They want him flogged. They throw him in prison. They're threatening death. They're telling him, you're never going to leave this place. They're calling him a heretic. They're calling him a blasphemer. And to everyone on the outside, and I would guess to Paul too, it seems like, okay, this is where he dies with his dreams unfulfilled. And yet as Paul sits in his jail cell in Jerusalem, Jesus shows up again. And in Acts 23, verse 11, we read that the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Jesus says, your story doesn't end here. I'm going to keep you trucking along towards the longing I placed in your heart. And one thing I notice in this text, and I notice in a lot of people's lives, is, is sometimes Jesus doesn't fulfill our longings until we surrender them to him. And yet, just kind of a disclaimer for those of you who are thinking you're going to surrender your longings, then get what you want. Uh, if you're surrendering so that Jesus will give you what you want, it's not really surrender. That's another part of it. It's not really surrender. If you're just surrendering so you can get them back. Surrendering your longings, say, God, I, not I don't care because you do. It's like I'm going to choose not to care. Right? Whenever these angsty feelings come, I'm, just, I'm going to say, you know what? No, I've chosen. I've surrendered that to Jesus. It's in his hands. I've given it over to him. And a lot of times it takes until that moment that Jesus shows up. I talked to a guy right before the service who said that he was in the last service and was thinking about when he was in a place at work where he thought, I'm never going to be able to leave. I'm never going to be able to sell my business. And he finally just gave it up to the Lord and said, God, I will work here till I die if you want me to. And two weeks later, somebody came in and said, hey, I'd like to buy your business. <laughs> he said, I, I got that. It wasn't until I surrendered it that it all came together. If you're in a place right now that, that you're dreaming about quitting your job, here are four things that you can take from these scriptures home with you today. Number one, serve God humbly because he's the one who puts you in the place you're in right now. I love how Paul keeps his head down and keeps trucking even when he wants to be somewhere else. Number two, surrender the process to him. I love that God used everything in this process to work for the good of the church and for the good of Paul. Number three, be open to new opportunities might, God might bring down your path. Right? If you get an offer towards a job that's your dream job, take it. Right? That's, that's what you should do. Lean into those things. Notice what the Spirit's doing in your life, and when things come along that way, lean into it. Like Paul's saying, I want to go to the Gentiles. I want to go to the Gentiles. Lean into those opportunities. And at the same time, lean into every season. Because God uses all of it. Now, I love the fact that the way that Paul eventually gets to Rome is through the prison system that he entered in Jerusalem. Like, if he would have just skipped Jerusalem and gone straight over to Rome, who knows if he would have gotten there. 
But the way that God got him before the kings and princes of all of the nations of the world was by Paul going to Jerusalem, him getting thrown into jail, and him saying, I'm a Roman citizen. I'm going to keep appealing my case to stand before greater and greater judges and magistrates and kings. So Paul gets to share the gospel with the chief principal of that region. He gets to share the gospel with these rulers in these different areas. He gets to share over and over and over at higher and higher levels in society. He gets to fulfill his dreams because he went to Jerusalem and got thrown in prison there. God uses the entire process to build Paul's dream and build Paul's life into a reality. And so if you're thinking about quitting your your job today, trust that even the season you're in right now, God is using that season to craft you into the person you want to be today, to craft the network you have into the network you need someday, to craft the skills you have into the skills you'll need someday. God is using all of it to get you to the place that he wants you to be. So your job is to trust in him and lean into the process. I love talking to AJ about his trajectory because he found out when he was sitting in Arizona in the hot that God had a slightly different life goal for him than playing in the major leagues. And God said, I, I don't want you to struggle to win ball games. I want you to struggle to win souls. I don't want you to be famous to make a name for yourself. I want you to make my name famous. I want you to use the perspective you've gleaned, the discipline you've gleaned, the, the worldview you've gleaned, the, the past that you've gleaned by working in all these different ball clubs. I want to use all of that to equip you to serve me in a bigger and better and greater way for eternity. And God is not calling all of us to go work in ministry. But for AJ, that was a moment that it all opened up for him. And he realized that this entire pathway was preparation for something new. And so he quit his team. He went to school, started studying the Bible. He got baptized. He got plugged into our church community here. He's actually the one running our home communities campaign now. He works on our staff. And God has been crafting his life over these past several years from where he was to where God knew he was going to be. So if you find yourself in that desert right now, wrestling with what the future holds for you, take Jesus' advice. When he talked to his disciples in John 14, and he said, you know the way to the place I'm going? And Thomas says, we don't even know where you're going. How do we know how to get there? And Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Cling to me. Abide in me. And you will be at the place someday where I want you to be. This morning, as we close our sermon in prayer, I want to take time and pray for those of you who are in those seasons of transition right now. Maybe the season of transition you're in is one of faith, where God has been tapping on your shoulder for a long time to surrender your life to him. Let this be a morning where you let go of the reins of life itself. And like Jesus said, anyone who loses his life will find it when they cling to me. Cling to Jesus this morning. Go to our prayer room this morning and and open your heart before someone and say, I need to follow Jesus. Tell me how. Let go of control of your life and put it into his hands and see what he can do with a life that is surrendered to him. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing together.